Welcome to River's Edge Sermon of the Week. Thanks for joining us today. We're really believing that you'll benefit from the message that you're about to hear. A big thank you to those of you who share our podcast on social media. And thanks for rating and reviewing us on iTunes. For more information about us, please visit riversedgechurch.com.au. I don't really want to preach to you too much this morning, but more just talk and just allow the Lord to speak to you through some of the things that he's taken me through and some of the journey on my life. And you may not identify with all of it, but I hope that some of it you will. Um, so we've been in Liverpool for the last 10 years, uh, pastoring there, a predominantly Indian church. And uh, we come up from Melbourne. Can I get a little stand or something for that? Is that okay? We come up from Melbourne uh, 10 years ago. And I, I just want to be as vulnerable as I can with you this morning. But this 10 years has been a hard 10 years. When we came up from Melbourne... Uh, we were serving there in a, in a larger church, uh, young adults pastors, and we had, uh, we had four businesses that we were running. We had a logistics business, a, a maintenance business. I'm a landscaper by trade. Um, we had a delivery business and, and so forth, and we were involved min- with ministry there. And we came to Sydney, and uh, we came with a word that the Lord gave us, the same word he gave Solomon. He said, you're young in years. And you're inexperienced. And with that word, we came to Sydney and we took on a church here. Simone was six months pregnant with our first child, Holly. And uh, we didn't really know what we are getting ourselves into. And I want to be really honest with you. The next 10 years was hard. It was challenging. That first two years of being in ministry and not feeling like I had all the uh, things that I needed for ministry, I guess I, I, I struggled within myself. I struggled within my call. I struggled within my gifting. I'd never really preached before, and all of a sudden to be thrust into preaching every weekend. And uh, we'd had a, we didn't realize, but we came there on the verge of a third church split, and we were on the verge of a fourth. And uh, so we come into pretty rough waters. And I want to be honest with you, um, the first two years was, was hell on earth. And uh, I got to a point in my life where I was so low. And I don't know if any of you can identify with that this morning, but when you're just so low so broken and so low, and you think, Lord, are you here? And I remember one night, I was walking from our house down to the, some of you might know this story, but I was walking from our house down to the, down to the park, and it was about nine o'clock at night, and it, it was dark, and all of a sudden the rain came down. You know, it's sort of rain that's within a minute, you're saturated wet, and this rain came down, and uh, I felt the Lord say to me, lay in the gutter, and I remember thinking, I, I can't get any lower than this. So I, I laid down in the gutter and all the water was going over the top of me. And I wasn't there that long and I felt like the Spirit of God picked me up out of the gutter. And I began to praise God. It was like this supernatural praise came out of my mouth. All the things that I was complaining about, all the things that I was uh, discouraged about, a church split, a church that was people were leaving quicker than they were coming. A marriage that was in the toilet. My wife's probably watching online. Hello, honey. <laughs> but a marriage that was in the toilet, you know. Can we, can we be real talk today? A marriage that was so pressured by ministry. And we're in this place in Sydney and we don't really know anyone. Our family's in Melbourne. We've left everything to come here. And I'm so low and the Lord picks me up and he says, this is as low as I'll allow to take it to go. Have you ever been like that where you're so low and it's like the Lord says, this is as low as I'll allow it to get. Three months later, we had our son Judah, and many of you know Judah, you would have seen him running around here, and he's hard to contain, and he's a tremendous joy, 
Uh, but he had some challenges. And uh, after th- when he was born, I remember my wife looked to me and she said, is he okay? And I remember I was just trying to be confident. I said, yeah, he is. But I knew something in my spirit was wrong. His face was underdeveloped. And I had no idea what that would look like then for the next seven years now and the journey that that would take us on. Three months later, we would sit before our pediatrician and he'd, he'd list off a whole bunch of specialists who would need to see. A back specialist, an ENT, a geneticist. They'd diagnose him with a condition called golden heart that affects like one in 100,000 kids. Later on, he got diagnosed with polyomicrogyria, which is a development of the brain. And uh, we had no idea what was happening. We had no idea. We'd come to Sydney. We'd left Melbourne to come to Sydney to pastor this church. And now, now this. And I remember in the first year, we had 67 doctors and specialist appointments. In the second year, we had over 200 appointments with our son, be it a therapy or a doctor or a specialist. And while everyone else is on their day off sitting at the beach, we're sitting at Ramwick Hospital trying to reshape my son's head. They had a helmet on him. Every time you walk through a shopping center, someone's looking at you and wondering, why is he wearing a helmet? And it can be very humiliating and debilitating when when this is you and you're in a situation. And I remember the day that Dr. Greg Bletcher, he gave us the diagnosis of our son. My wife was sitting there holding Judah. And, and, and when he told us about the news with our son and so many specialists that we needed to see, she crumbled. And I, and I, I stand behind her and I crumbled as well. And as soon as I, I broke inside, I felt the Holy Spirit say, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above, in whom there's no variance nor shadow or turning. And I knew at that point then that word held me and that word kept me and that word sustained me. And seven years later, I can truly testify that God only knows how to give his children good gifts. God only knows how to give you good gifts. He's the good father and he only knows how to give you good gifts. And sometimes the gift that you want doesn't come in a package that you thought. And he's been the catalyst for a lot of our change. Some of you are looking at your marriage thinking, how could this be a good gift? Some of you are looking at your finance thinking, how could this be a good gift? Some of you may be in hospital with a crippled body thinking, how is this a good gift? We all know Romans 8.28, all things work together for good for those who love God and accord according to his purpose. It's a good thing. But Romans 8.29, for whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. And this thing is conforming me to the image of his son. And this thing that you hold in your hand and say, Lord, how is it a good gift? But it's conforming you to the image of his son. Paul says this light affliction, which is but for a moment, but it's working and exceeding an eternal way to glory. Paul says that I consider that the current sufferings cannot be at all compared to the glory that will be revealed in you. Amen. Are we here? Peter says, don't think it's strange concerning the trial that's set to test you. Though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. It's a good gift. There's a lady, Dr. Helen Rosevear. Some of you will know who she is, but she was a missionary and she went to the Conga. Single lady went to the Conga to to be a doctor for for uh, for these people. But she became a prisoner of war. And during that prison time, she was taken to, she was raped twice, and one of the security guards kicked her so hard in the face that it busted out all of her back teeth. And the Lord came to her in that prison cell, and he said, aren't you going to thank me? And she was like, what? 
He said, aren't you going to thank me that I could trust you with this? Aren't you going to thank me that I could trust you with this? And there are some things today, brothers and sisters, that you've had in your lives and you've questioned, God, how can this be? But he could trust you with it. He could trust you with it. He could trust you with it. Every good and perfect gift. It's a perfect gift. It's working and exceeding an eternal way to glory. And it's conforming you to the image of his son. What is he going to use to conform you to the image of his son? What will he use to conform you to the image of his son? What greater value is there in your life than anything but to be conformed to the image of his son? I remember I was about 18 and uh, I was backslidden. I was living in Melbourne. I grew up in Melbourne. And uh, this youth guy asked me to come up to Sydney to bring some young guys up for a conference that was here. And uh, it was a Youth Alive conference. And I was a skateboarder back then. And uh, I was into all sorts of things. My mother passed away when I was 14. I moved out of home when I was 15. So you can imagine the sort of life that I lived. And... um, I was backslidden, we came to this conference, this Youth Alive rally, and I remember standing at the back, some 1,500, 2,000 kids at this, we stayed at Wonderland for three days, anyone remember that? Anyone stay at Wonderland? You, you were there, you were the guy at the front, I was the guy at the back, <laughs> I was at the back, I had my hat on backwards, they were singing this song, Lord, I give you my heart, Lord, I give you my soul. I live for you alone, and I tell you to this day, I had my skateboard hat on backwards, I had my hand lifted to heaven, I had a cigarette in my mouth, and I said, Lord, here's my life, do whatever you can with it, Lord, use it for your glory, this is my life, and I I honestly tell you, the next day, nothing changed, in fact, four years later, nothing changed, but it was an honest prayer, it was an honest cry, and God will always hear an honest prayer, and an honest cry, And I know from that day then, the Lord was with me. The Lord was with me. We know that, Emmanuel, God is with us. But there comes a point in every Christian's life where they need to look back and they need to recognize that God is with me. And it needs to be cemented in our Christian walk that God is with us. That God is with me. That God is truly, truly with me. Because then no matter what we're going to face in times to come, no matter what challenges we'd have in seasons to come, I was always cemented that God is with me. Paul, how are you going to tell if God's with you? How's he going to sing in a prison cell if he doesn't know that God is with him? How are you going to overcome that situation in your marriage or in your personal walk when you get home from Sunday and all of a sudden the rubber hits the road and temptation comes and that temptation overwhelms you, but God is with you. How are you going to stand in a Wicked and perverse generation, if you haven't cemented that God is with me. By this I know that God is well pleased with me. For he shall not allow my enemy to triumph over me. Through God we shall do valiantly. It's he who shall tread down every enemy. When everything's taken away, we sing these songs, but when everything's taken away, nothing changes when God's with you. He is my cup and he is my portion. He is my exceeding great reward. He is more than enough. If I have Christ, I have it all. I'm not the sum total of my bank. I'm not the product of what I have or haven't done. I am who I am in Christ. 
and it's more than enough that he is with me. He's with us. He wants you to walk with him. He wants you to walk with him. Give me some scriptures about walking with God. Come on. You're a vocal church. This is a taught church. I know Pastor Luke gets up here week in and week out, and he's teaching the word. He's teaching the word. You are a word church. To walk with God. Come on. Walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the desire of the flesh. Come on, someone else. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. Come on. I walk by faith and not by sight. Come on. Don't be shy. Enoch walked with God and he was not. Blessed is a man who walks not in the council. So there's an emphasis on our walk. God only knows how to give good gifts. God is with you. But more than that, God wants you to walk with him. See, the brother had the chair this morning. Here's the picture. God is with me is like sitting on the couch watching TV. And the father comes and he embraces the son. And I love the embrace of the father. We love the presence of the father. We love the fellowship of the father. And that's God with me. But now the father gets off the couch and he goes out and he begins to cut the timber. And he beckons to the son to come and cut the timber. That goes from more of God to more like God. And there's a developing and a maturing as we grow in our faith with God. Yes, it's great that God is with me. Yes, it's great to have more of God. But God calls us to maturity to be more like God. God wants you to walk with Him. God wants you to walk with Him this morning. When I had my hands raised at 18 years old, I had no idea where that walk would take me. Dr. Helen Rosevee probably had no idea where that walk would take her. Probably had no idea the journey that it would take her on. Maybe for you today, you're walking, but you're just not walking with him. But he wants you to walk with him. He wants you to walk with him today. He wants you to walk with him. To walk with God. I am the God of Abraham. Walk with me, he says. Abraham, I am the Lord your God. Walk with me. I don't just want God with me. I want to walk with you. I remember there was a, I would have been about 22, 23 years old, and a, a preacher had come into church, and he was quite a well-known preacher. And uh, he was a, a faith sort of guy and one of these healing ministry guys. And, and I remember they had an altar call and it was packed. Yeah, because everyone wants the pastor or the special guy to pray for them and get what they've got by doing nothing they did. Is that the Australian, not in this church, but in other churches? Yeah. So everyone came forward. I remember coming forward and I remember, again, that honest cry. And I want to I emphasize that, that honest prayer, that sincere prayer when you're by yourself broken and a contrite spirit, that brokenness and that contrite of spirit that says, God, here I am. And I remember as he went down the altar, I could hear him saying, what would you like prayer for? And some, some well good person said, I just want to have faith. I want to have faith so I, so I can do those things you do. So, okay, so it's all about you. I just want to have the gift of healing so I can do those things that you do. 
And I remember when he came to me, he said, what would you want prayer for? And I remember this. I remember saying, I just want to walk with God. I thought, Lord, I don't know where it's going to take me. I don't know what it will cost me. I know I don't have the goods, but I know you do. And I just want to walk with you. I just want to walk with you. Maybe that's you today. You've been doing a whole bunch of things. You got busy with marriage, got busy with business, got busy with kids. But your walk's just not where it needs to be. Remember the disciples. This is the Lamb of God, the one who takes away the sin of the world, John says to the disciples. They come over to Jesus and they said, where are you going? He says, come. Come and see. He says the same to you today. Come and see what I'm doing in this generation. Come and see what I'll do with your life. Come and see what I'll do in and through you. To walk with God. To walk with God. Thirdly, God has a work for you to do. God has a work for you to do. He only knows how to give good gifts. He's with you this morning. He wants you to walk with him. And he has a work for you to do. The Bible says that you were predestined before the foundation of the world for good works. That you should walk in them. What's the next step? The brother said this morning. Are you walking? But maybe you need to be also working. Jesus, John 17, he lifted up his eyes to heaven. He said, Father, glorify your son that I might glorify you. You've given him authority over all flesh and as many that come to him that they should be saved. Now, Father, I have finished the work. Glorify me again with the glory that we had before the foundation of the world. Even Jesus had a work. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send out walkers. No, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. He has a work for you to do. I remember I was about 21 years old. I'm terrible with dates, but I was a young adults pastor in this particular church. And at Easter time, they had a big cross. How are we going for time? One more hour. I can see one at the back. I'm assuming one hour. Thank you, brother. Bless you. I've got very little response out of that joke, so I'm assuming that you are smelling that burgers that are getting cooked outside it was an Easter service and um and they had a big cross at the front and uh when everyone came into the service everyone got a nail a big nail that they were going to come down and it was symbolic you do that you guys do the glory train thing in this church you remember all those symbolic things but anyway they've done this symbolic thing right we're not going to do that today but uh they had this big cross and I remember people coming forward and you know, but I'm six rows back trying to look spiritual. I'm young adults pass. I've got to look like I'm... I'm... But I, I remember coming forward to that cross, clearly as anything. And when I got there, I was about to nail my nail in the cross. And I felt the Lord convict me and say, go low. I think it is going to look a bit stupid. There's a line 50 deep. So I go low. And I nail the nail. He tells me to nail it in. So I nail it in. Go back to me, see? Go back to looking spiritual. That... Is that too tight with the eyes? <laughs> the one eye. I go back to the seat. And the Holy Spirit said to me, if Jesus was hanging on that cross, where did you nail that nail? And I said, about where his loins would be. And he said, that's right, because you're going to be a worker in the kingdom. And I remember at that time, I had no idea. 
And I remember watching others come forward. They were nailing their nail. One nailed it where their head was, and the Lord spoke to me and said, because they speak with an authority. Another where their hand was, because they are a giver in the kingdom. Another where the mouth was, because they're going to be a voice piece. And as I'm watching this play out, I'm having these prophetic words over everyone that's in the church. I never told any of these people any of it, but, it was, but, but years later, I'm thinking, I'm 21 years old, and I'm thinking, not such a great call. Come on, let's check the track record. You're going to speak to nations. You're going to speak with an authority. You're going to prophesy, and here's my high call. You're going to be a worker in the kingdom. And then only sometime later when we come to Sydney, God chose you because you're young in years and inexperienced. I haven't had a good start, have I, to the call of ministry. But when God calls you, it's more than enough, isn't it? And I remember years later, maybe 10, 12 years later, the significance of that, that scripture hit like anything. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send out preachers. No. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send out uh, uh, prophets. No. Evangelists. No. Pray the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. Send out workers into the kingdom. Who's going to work for his kingdom? Who's going to work for his glory? See, Paul said, he said, to me it was given. Ephesians 3, to me it was given. To me who am less than the least of the saints. Who can relate to that? This grace was given that I might preach the unsearchable riches of Christ, but to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery before the beginning of ages was hidden in God who made all things through Jesus. One preaches, but another it's going to see. How are they going to see it? They're going to see it when the Spirit of God comes upon you and He begins to work in you and through you in your marketplace, in your workplace, in your office, in your family, in your school, wherever He calls you. But He's looking for workers in the kingdom. Church on Sunday, did you sense the presence of God? Honestly, who really cares? Wasn't the worship amazing? We're going to worship in all of eternity. Most of you will forget what I preach by Monday. Except for Nick and Kate on the front here. They're very vocal, <laughs> encouraging. It says, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. Was the music okay? Was the worship well? Was the greeting? I'm all for that stuff. But beloved, we get so fixated on church life and church business and church stuff and leadership 203 that you've got 130 odd hours that you're out there in the marketplace. And he's looking for workers. The eyes of the Lord search throughout the whole world, seeking for a man, a woman, a child, an old man, a young man that he might show himself strong through. I have finished the work. Who's going to work? You know, tonight, four o'clock, I go to the golf club. I really got convicted about this. I was in, I was in Adelaide. This is honest. So I've got to just... We can edit this in the... Oh, it's live, isn't it? We can't edit it, isn't it? Okay, so I went to Adelaide. But I got really convicted about this. The, the, the guy asked me to preach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And when I went there, the Holy Spirit said, you care more about you looking like the anointed man of God than me moving in people's lives. And I felt so rebuked. And I reckon I preached the worst message I've ever preached in my life. And I felt this big. And I said, Lord, I never want to preach again. And we do. We often care so much more about how we look 
rather than the Holy Spirit just being at work in through our lives. He's looking for workers. He's looking for workers. Who's going to work? Who's going to work in the kingdom? So tonight I go to the, and this, this was where I was going with that point. And the Holy Spirit started to give me a message. It's called Holy Spirit anoint my life on Sunday. And I realized somewhat as pastors we can be a bit fake. Not me, but other pastors. And I don't want to mention them because we're on live. Nick knows who they are. But they can be fake. Lord, we pray for a move of God as I preach. Lord, we pray that your presence would come. Lord, we pray the wind of the Spirit. Lord, I pray that there'd be such an anointing when I'm preaching. But what about when brother such and such or sister so and so is preaching? I just walk, rock up to church like, well, I hope you're prayed up. Hope you've done your due diligence. And then the Holy Spirit said, why do you pray with such fervency about your preaching on Friday night, Cain, to those young adults and youth? But you don't pray like that when such and such preaches at church. More so, why don't you pray like that, the anointing come upon you when you're walking down the mall in about 15 minutes? I was in my hotel, I had to go down your under mall, or whatever it's called now. Why don't you pray like that? I've got to go to the golf club tonight at four. I drive the courtesy bus. Pick up all the drunks, drop them home. About a month ago, six weeks ago, I was in there. Before I went into work, I remember praying like this. I remember saying, Holy Spirit, quicken me. Holy Spirit, quicken me. If the same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead dwells in me, then he's going to quicken me. Quicken me with words of revelation in this golf club. Quicken me with words of encouragement. Quicken me with... Quicken me. Wherever you are, the Holy Spirit wants to quicken you for the work that's at hand. Amen? Worship team, why don't we come? I don't know where you're at today. I just wanted to talk to you, be a little bit vulnerable about who I am. But there's something inside of me that the Lord's put there. God only has good gifts for us. Man, we've seen some things. It's taken me a while to realize that they're all good things. He's a good God. He only knows how to give good things. I, I, I don't know what your struggle is today, but it's a good thing. And it's working to conform you to the image of his son. Some of you are questioning, well, if God is with me, remember Gideon, God, if you're, you're with us, then why are the Midianites taking all the wheat? And why am I in this wine bread? It's the same thing. If you cement in your life that God is with me. Tuesday, you might have a doctor's appointment where it's bad news again, but God is with me. See, Paul says that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you may know the hope to which you're called. If I was to ask most, most people, what are you hoping for? They're not hoping for anything more than their neighbor. Hoping for a new car, hoping for a new job, hoping Sunday goes well. Hoping the kids stay in school, hoping the marriage gets better, hoping the cancer goes away. But Paul says that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you may know the hope to which you're called. The eternal hope. When we stand. God only knows how to give good gifts. God is with you. God wants you to walk with Him. And God has a work for you to do. Where are you at this morning? 
holding on to something, wondering how could God, how could this be possibly God? How could this possibly be God, this situation? But He is with you. He's with you. Psalmist said, I've considered my ways, but I turn my feet to your testimonies. Maybe you need to turn your feet and begin to walk with God. Maybe you've been busy doing everything else except the work He's put before you. I'm not talking about being on staff at church. I'm not even talking about Sunday. I'm talking about every other day through the week where He will quicken you with words of wisdom. He'll quicken you with revelation. He'll quicken you to be available for the kingdom. We don't need to create a moment this morning. But if something's resonated with your spirit, I would love to pray with you this morning. We don't need the keys going in the back. It's, it's lovely to have the setting of music. But if God's spoken to you this morning, as sure as you've heard Him through these lips, no eyes closed, is that you this morning? Is God speaking to you about one of those steps? You show me who I'm praying for. You show me who I'm praying for. God has called you. He set you apart. He has a plan for your life. It's far more than what you're living for right now. And if He brought me here for only one, then He brought me here for you. But He's a good God this morning. And it's a good gift. And I consider that the current sufferings cannot be at all compared to the glory that's going to be revealed in you. And He's conforming you to His image this morning. Anyone else this morning? You want to walk with God. You got no idea. You got no idea where this will take you. You got no idea where this will lead you. To one, a letter to a prison camp. Might lead you to a mission field. Might lead you to a marketplace. Might lead you to a business venture. Might lead you to a marriage that many would leave, but you stay in because you know God's called you there. Might lead you to a financial situation where you're able to bless others or be financially ruined, but. To me, who am less than the least of the saints, this grace was given that I might preach the unsearchable riches of Christ, but that all may see. And they're going to see your life. And they're going to see the fellowship of the mystery. When they see you, they're going to see the Christ. You know, the, the, I almost forgot. I almost forgot this. Significant. I was reading a book, Reese Howes, and he talked about our life in the hand of the Holy Spirit is different to the Holy Spirit living His life in us. See, when my life's in the hand of the Holy Spirit, I take it back whenever I want. But when I say, Holy Spirit, come and live in me, then I become Romans 12. I beseech thee, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourselves a living sacrifice. If that's you this morning, see, when my life's in the hand of the Holy Spirit, I take it back whenever I want. But when He comes and indwells me, when He comes and fills me, when He's looking for a vessel that He can come and fill to use and to utter His voice through, we don't, get to, we, we don't get to decide what facet of the glory of Christ that He might choose to reveal in and through your life. We don't get to choose. But He's offering it to you this morning and He's saying, I'm not asking for your life in my hands. I'm asking that I'd come and indwell you. I'm asking for a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. This is your reasonable act of service. If that's you this morning, you say, Lord, I don't know where it's going to take me. I don't know whether I can see it as a good gift. I don't know the places that I'll end up. 
I don't know if I can walk with you. Peter, when you were younger, you went hither and tether, but when you come of age, another's gonna lead you where you can't go in your own strength, signifying by which means he would die. And that's the Christ that comes. And that's the Holy Spirit that quickens you. And that's the Holy Spirit that comes and lives in you. Paul, where's it gonna take you? I don't know, but I go bound in my spirit to Jerusalem. I don't know the things which await me, but the Holy Spirit testifies in every city of chains and tribulations. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself that I might run my race with joy. Come on. Is that you this morning? Putting you, not your life in the hands of the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit coming and living you to be a vessel that would walk around, to be a vessel that would be used. Father, I pray for this church this morning. I pray for every word that's been spoken. Father, that Your Word would be shot out like an arrow. That not one word would fall to the ground of Yours. But today You would do exceedingly and abundantly more than we could ask. According to the power that is at work in You. We thank You, Holy Spirit, in advance for testimonies, for lives changed, for doors opening, for people that learn how to sing in a prison cell, for people that learn how to serve others on a shipwreck to Malta, to people that are quickened in a workplace, to people that are quickened at a shopping mall. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. We'll leave the altar open this morning. If you need to respond, we we want you to come. We want to pray for you. We want to stand alongside you. There's nothing that we can do. There's no special uh, liquid in this water that's going to change you. But if, if there is an honest cry, if there is an honest prayer, a broken heart and a contrite spirit, He'll hear that voice. And I'm not saying tomorrow everything's going to change. And I'm not saying tomorrow everything's going to get better. And I'm not saying that tomorrow the marriage is going to be easier or the the sickness will go away or any of those things. But I can tell you this, it's a good gift. And I can tell you He's with you. And I can tell you it's His delight to walk with you. And I can tell you it's His delight to want to work through you. In Jesus' name, if that's you, you come. We're going to pray. Thank you for listening to River's Edge Sermon of the Week. For more information about us, please visit riversedgechurch.com.au.